Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. We'll just see what God does, you know? So revival is not shut down by any means. On Wednesday night service, we're kind of making more of a revival flow. Pray for the sick. Give more room for the Holy Spirit to move. And we'll just see what God does. Amen? All right. Man, if you weren't here last night, I'm so sorry. Because Christine Kane preached the most unbelievable word. It was fantastic. I don't want to talk any longer, church. You know her. You love her. It's like Aunt Christine's back in the house. So come on, stand to your feet and give her the best praise you can. Hey, church. How y'all doing? Come on. I thought the 9.30 was... On fire, but I feel that this is the most spiritual Holy Ghost on fire service at Celebration. I got so excited in between services that I spilt something on my shirt, so I decided that I'm going to wear the anointed revival shirt. How is that? That's it. You can be seated, turn to the person next to you and say, you're the best looking thing I've seen all morning. All right, now turn to... Your friend on the other side and say, you're better looking than the other person. I was just lying. I was just lying. Man, I feel like I landed in Jacksonville and this place is just got God all over it. I'm thinking, man, I don't, almost don't want to get on a plane and go home. I do want to see my girls. But when God is doing something, you just want to be where God is. And who would have thought that God might just start revival in America out of Jacksonville, Florida. What do you think, hey? I think there's something happening here, something pretty amazing. And I think the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to us today. I'm so glad that I was here on um, this particular Sunday when Pastor was talking to us about tithing. You know, the single greatest revelation outside of my salvation, 29 years ago, I became a fully dedicated follower of Jesus, and the next thing that totally, totally 
changed my life, other than, of course, Jesus and, and my soul being saved from hell and going from death to life. That's, that's a pretty good bonus. And so that's the first thing. But was a revelation of tithing and giving. It is second to nothing in my Christian life. There would be no A21 if I didn't have that revelation. There would be no Propel Women. There would be no Equip and Empower. So I want to um, inspire you. If you've not yet started, make sure that you join this challenge. I'm telling you, God is so faithful. It's going to blow your mind. At the end of it, you go, I think I might just like double tithe. You know, like you, you watch um, what happens because God is so faithful. So don't forget to fill in your card and um, leave it at the, at the front. I think it'll be fantastic. I want you to turn to Exodus 14. I'm both Greek and a woman. I only speak three ways hard, fast, and continuously. So strap yourself in. If this is your first Sunday in church, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I'm your extended family. Nick and I so love your pastors, Stovall and Kerry. You ought to thank God that you're planted in such a great church under such great leaders because they are truly unbelievable. But you know, every spiritual house, every church needs a crazy aunt from Australia. So I am, in case you like go, who is this woman with the accent? I'm your crazy aunt from down under. And so, you know, every year or so I just come in and then I just do all the cray cray stuff. So that's what this is. You've come on the cray cray Sunday, just in case you're wondering. And so everyone say, g'day mate. G'day. You sound so straight. Say it again, g'day mate. Be a Australian go, Awesome. awesome. Now you're sounding really Australian. Awesome. awesome. Okay, now say it like an American. Awesome. <laughs> we might just go to the scripture, I think. That's okay. <laughs> I love Exodus 14. It's the story. And then if you're not even familiar with church, you've probably seen a Hollywood version of sorts of the story of the parting of the Red Sea, whether you've seen it in cartoon form or God bless Cecil B. DeMille, you know, whichever one it is that you may have seen the great Red Sea parting. And we're going to land in that text for most of today. And of course, chapter 14 comes after chapter 13 and 12. Even in Australia, we go 12, 13, and 14. So there is a sequential order. Chapter 12 is a, a miracle chapter where the children of Israel, after 430 years of being held in bondage, in slavery, in captivity, God does miracles, signs, and wonders, because that's what He does. He's very good at doing what He does. Sometimes you go, you know, I don't believe in miracles. Why? I mean, why do you need a God that can only do what you can do? I need a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that we could ever ask, hope or think. I think, you know, like we, we believe all the crazy stuff anyway. You believe in an immaculate conception? Like, you know, I tell my daughter at 16, don't try this at home. I will not believe you. So it happened once. But I do believe, we believe all the cray-cray stuff. We believe in an empty tomb. We believe in a bodily resurrection. We believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So if you believe all the cray-cray stuff anyway, just to be a Christian, why not believe it all? That's what I say. So God can do it all. And so at the, God does these miracles and it's called the night of the Passover. A great miracle happens. The children of Israel come out of slavery. Slavery is not a new thing. At the A21 campaign, we rescue the victims of human trafficking all around the world. It's more prevalent on the earth today than it's ever been in history, but it has been in operation since the beginning of history. Slavery has been part of what's happened. Not right, but it exists. So the children of Israel came out. And so God brought them out. And so you've got to understand when you're saved, when you're brought out of something, it's a miracle. 
But it is so interesting how Christians can forget the miracle of coming out when it comes to needing the miracle of going in. Somehow something happens between coming out and going in where somewhere in the middle of it we start to think that we can do what only God can do. There are so many churches and so many Christians on the planet that have been out of faith for years. They actually have not been, they're very well managed and they're very well programmed and they've got wonderful systems but there's no faith. They don't even need God to turn up because they can set their goals and tell God what He's going to do. But I don't want to live in that kind of realm. I want to live in a realm where where we need to believe God to do what only God could do. God still parts Red Seas. God still does miracles. God still heals bodies. God still restores marriages. God still saves souls. God still makes a way where there is no way. I wonder if you're still in the miracle realm or you've just become a good manager of your Christianity. And so they, that's not my sermon, by the way. I just thought of that. So here we go. So they came out, out of Egypt. And freedom was in Canaan. That was the promised land. We've all got a promised land. So many of us settle for 40 years in the wilderness, delivered out of slavery, rather than taking the effort to step into the freedom that is ours in the promised land. There's a difference between deliverance and freedom. Most Christians live delivered, but not free. And so if we understood that God had freedom for us, we would continue to possess the land. In our hearts, in the New Testament, we will continue to possess greater and greater realms of the freedom that God has for us while we were here on earth. Well, anyway, what happened was the Lord brought them out. And then chapter 13 describes the journey of the Lord taking them into the promised land. Now, the fact is that the quick way is up along the coast, coming out of Egypt, up along the coast, going in to the promised land. But this is what the, the Scripture shows us in, um, let me go to Genesis 13, verse 7. It says, there were three possible routes that the children of Israel could have taken. There's always options. And here is what Scripture says in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not, God did not. Sometimes we blame the devil for something that God is the one that he doesn't allow to do. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. The NIV says, although that was shorter. It says, God didn't lead them the shorter way. He took them the long way round. Isn't it frustrating when you know that God knows that there's a shortcut to your destination and you're like, God, you really could take the shortcut. God, you know that there's a shortcut. It says, even though, even though the other way was shorter. But the fact is that along the coast were the Philistine garrisons and armies all across the, all, all, all set up and they would have easily killed this group of ex-slaves. They were not yet formed into a military unit. They were not yet a mighty force. They had just literally come out of slavery. And so God was taking them the long way round, not to deprive them, but to protect them. See, some of you, you think God's taking you the long way round to punish you, but He's protecting you. He's not punishing you. He's keeping you from your enemies that are gonna destroy you. Sometimes you gotta thank God for the long way round. You don't know what God has saved you from. You don't know what accident He saved you from, what people He saved you from, what circumstance He has saved you from. When God takes you the long way round, it's not to punish you. It's to protect you. You don't know what He's protecting you from. And He took Him the long way around. And can I just suggest in 2018, the long way around with God is much better than the shorter way without God. It is amazing 
How many people, people say, Chris, how have you ended up here? Well, it took 30 years. I would like to say that I went out on an altar call and someone spat on me. I fell over, got back up and went, whew, here I am. But the thing I've discovered, there are some things, it doesn't matter how much I fast or pray, 30 years still will take 30 years. A whole lot of friends, when I walked into church, had nights like this. Come tomorrow, that's going to be the real test of whether the last three nights have actually impacted your life. Because God spoke promises and dreams, and it's amazing how then so many people, so many of my friends, decided they wanted to take a shortcut because it looks good. And especially in the generation in which we live, if it's on someone else's Instagram, it's got to be more true than what's in the Bible. So I have got to follow... For some of you, you might not even know what's in the Bible. So the fact is that you think, well, they did it that way. So I'm just going to run off and do this and do that. I've stayed planted in one house for 29 years. Stayed married to one man for 22 years. People go, how how, how did you get to 22 years? I just didn't leave. (laughs) I'd I'd like it to get compliment, but more importantly, Nick didn't leave. But there's some stuff that it's just long and it's hard and it's hot, but you just don't quit. And then when you get to this stage and you get to 51 and everyone's like, whoa, look at these, all these opportunities. It's like God's run out of options because there's not that many chicks at my age. It's like if I need someone and a chick, oh, wow, she's the only one there. Tag, you're it. I'm going to look good because there's nobody else. Okay, so I have got to do more things for the glory of God because I'm like the only one there. And so God has no other option. And so what I'm saying is don't quit. Don't take a shortcut. Don't try to bypass it. You stick with God. The long way around with God is much better than any shortcut you want to take on your own. You make sure you stay the path. You make sure you stay planted. You make sure you stay steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. If it doesn't happen by next week, you start tithing this week and go, well, I'm not a millionaire next week. Don't think God's not faithful. It is amazing how many people give up. You know, God, I'm coming to church. I'm believing you. I'm just going to get my life in order and get morally pure. And I'm going to go to the singles group for three weeks. God, I'm going to give you three weeks. (laughs) Now, we just say that in our heart to everyone else. We go, whatever the Lord's will is. (laughs) But if it doesn't happen in three weeks, man, we're down the nightclub going, I will help you, God. I'll take the shortcut. (laughs) The shortcut on your own normally leads to a lot of years of trying to unravel the damage that's done by the shortcut. That's not even this sermon. Let's go to Exodus 14 because that's where we're going today. Exodus 14. Scripture says, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Piraeum. I can't pronounce these words, but if you don't speak in tongues yet, please say these five times very quickly and you will be filled with the Holy Ghost by the end of it. Okay, so. And the sea in front of that place. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Do you know how dangerous this is? They came out. God's taking them the long way around up into the promised land. But then the Lord says to them, 
I want you to turn back and go back the way you came. And the Lord was leading them essentially into what is a cul-de-sac. On one side was a mountain range. On another side was a mountain range. In front of them was an impenetrable Red Sea. And soon to be behind them would be coming the Egyptian army. Now God is the one that gave the instruction, not the devil. Some of you are trying to rebuke the devil for something God has placed you in. Some of you are trying to say, this is the devil, but God made them turn back because God was looking to set himself up for some glory in this place in the eyes of Pharaoh. So God said, turn back. You know, sometimes some people will look at you because God's giving you an instruction. He's saying, I, I need you to turn back and go a different direction. And when you are used to advancing and moving forward, sometimes turning back and looking like you're taking a backward step with God is actually a forward step, but everyone else might not even understand what it is that you're doing. And they might think you, you've just taken a backward step. And God's saying, I want you to turn back because Pharaoh is going to think that you've all lost your minds. Pharaoh is going to think, well, they're a bunch of losers, these Israelites. They're going to easily end up dead because they're going down to the Red Sea. Sometimes God gives you a divine strategy that defies logic, that seems in the natural that it makes no sense. And that's because God's saying, while everyone else is going, you guys are losers. You guys are a bunch of idiots. You Christians, you don't even know. God's saying, oh, I'm getting ready because I'm about to part a Red Sea. They don't even know about. They're going to turn around and they're going to glorify by me. Sometimes God's going to say, I want you to turn back. I want you to turn back. And he led them to this place and he's getting ready to shift Pharaoh's mind. And then the Bible goes on and it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done? that we've let the Israelites go from serving us. You've got to understand, he's realizing he had a slave labor force. All the riches, all the wealth, all the buildings of Egypt, they were built off the back of slaves. Suddenly, Pharaoh's thinking, what have I done? What have I done? And not only that, when the slaves left, they took so much of the wealth of the Egyptians. I tend to wonder whether Pharaoh was wanting some of his gold back. Because when you come out, let me just say, God will let you have some spoils. Don't you worry at all. God will go, oh, no, no, no. We're going to make up for some of the stuff that kept you bound. And so they, they came out. And then he goes on. And it says, and he took 600 chosen chariots, all the other chariots of Egypt with officers. I mean, this is the most advanced military technology of this time in history. So he took the 600 of the most elite chariots and every other chariot in Egypt. You've got to understand, this is a bunch of ex-slaves. They've got nothing, no military force. So can you imagine that you've got the most mighty military force on earth coming after you, and you've got nothing? And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and encamped by the sea at those places. When Pharaoh drew near and the people of Israel, so you've got to imagine now what's happening. This army is coming behind them. They're hearing the sound 
of the chariot wheels. They're hearing the noise of the Egyptians coming after them. Have you ever come out of something and then you start to hear the sound of that thing you came out of now following you? You got free of an addiction and that thing is coming after you. You came out of a group of friends and then you hear the sound of them coming after you. Let me tell you after these three nights of revival, don't be surprised this week if you hear the sound of enemies coming after you, but it's just the sound. They can't take you out because God is going to protect you. But there is nothing worse than the sound of that thing that you're free from coming after you and wanting to take you out. Can you imagine how they felt? The sound of that thing that kept them in captivity for over four generations was coming after them. And some of us, we lose heart and hope because we hear the sound of the chariot wheels. And forget that it's our God that's out protecting us. And we're like, God, I did everything you told me to do. How have I ended up here? How have I ended up with this thing chasing me that I was running from? How have I ended up where I've got these walls of mountains on either side and a Red Sea in front of me? God, I was following you. I was honouring you. I wasn't disobeying you. And a lot of us, I need you to understand, this is a picture of what the Christian walk is like. I've been following the Lord nearly three decades. And invariably, there are seasons where it always comes back around. There's another Red Sea. There's another Red Sea. And the day this stops being Red Seas, it's the day that I'm out of faith. Because that means that Nick and I can just do what we can do in our own strength. If we're only leading our team to a place that is easy and it's just full of milk and honey and it's so easy to walk through, then I don't know that we're really following God. Because there are times that God will say, turn back, turn around. I'm going to take you into an impossible place because I've got a miracle on the other side of this Red Sea. And lest you think you actually had anything to do with you coming this far, let me just show you that the same God that brought you this far is the same God that's going to take you that far. It always was God. It always will be God. It never was us. It always was Him. Celebration is spreading. It's growing. It's expanding. But it never was you. You never were smart enough. You never were talented enough. You never were gifted enough. You never were connected enough. This miracle has always been God, will always be God, and it will be God that will take us into the future that He has for us. It was always God. It's always been God. It's always been God. So God brought them back around. It's chasing them. And then Scripture tells us right there, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. See, here's the problem. Scripture says they lifted up their eyes to the level of their enemies. So they beheld their enemies. And because they kept looking at their enemies, fear gripped them. Fear cripples us, fear paralyzes us, fear holds us back. See, the problem here was they only lifted their eyes thus far to the level of their enemy. But my Bible tells me that we are to lift up our eyes to the hill from whence does my help come. My help comes from the Lord. We are here to fix our eyes on Jesus in a day where the devil is fighting for your eyes. It's a visual generation. It's on our phones. It's on our screens. There is a fight for your eyes. The fight of faith. 
faith in the 21st century is with the muscles of our eyes. Where you look, you will go. What you behold, you will become. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author of our faith. He is the author of our faith. There's a fight for our eyes. There's a fight for our eyes. I'm telling you, I've become more old school than ever. I'm saying old school is new school. Job says, I, I, I made a covenant with my eyes. We need a generation that'll make a covenant with their eyes. Because I'm telling you, they looked at their enemy and some of us, we spend all our life staring at the naysayers, staring at the enemy, staring at that addiction, staring in the face of, of the thing that's coming to take us out. And Jesus goes, would you lift up your eyes? Would you lift them up? Would you immerse yourself in my word? Would you immerse yourself in my presence? See, that's what we do when we worship. Because you can walk in here on a Sunday. Look, some of you, I know you think we play songs and we worship because we're waiting for, or for all the late people to come to church. That's not what it's about, just in case you're wondering. What, what happens is that you know, some of you, you didn't even know that we do songs because you've never been here early enough. But anyway, and so what happens is that you come in here with the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, you got relational challenges, you've got business challenges, you've got emotional challenges, you've got financial challenges. It's, it's all there when you walk through on Sunday. No telling, thousands of people in this room, so much pain, struggles. There's no doubt about it. But something happens when you start lifting up your eyes. The, the situation's still there. The enemies are still there. The challenges are still there. But you start singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Jesus, this, and you start to worship and you start to magnify. The psalmist says magnify. That means you make God bigger. To magnify, to enlarge. You can't make, God is as big as he ever needs to be. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent. You can't make God any bigger. But the God of the universe becomes big or small in the hearts of this people. And so by exalting him and starting to declare and decree, the chains fall, fear bows, here now. Jesus, you can do anything. You start to declare it. All of a sudden, you've made God bigger than that challenge. You've made God bigger than those enemies. And you walk out of church and you know what? In the natural, nothing may have changed, but everything's changed because the way you see it changed because now you see your enemies through the lens of your God rather than through your fear and through your doubt and through your negativity. That's why we exalt Him. That's why you wanna come on Wednesday night. That's why you wanna come. Because you make God be, my life and ministry has been built on those kind of nights and days. Still is. 52 years old this year, still give me this kind of atmosphere over anything else. It'll do what 10 years of therapy couldn't do. It really will. And I'm all about it. I'm not, I'm, I'm pro-therapy. That's not my issue. But you stay, and in the day in which we live, with the fight for your eyes, okay, you know what? I don't care when this is us on after the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna watch it. I am today, actually. But, <laughs> but on Wednesday night, I don't care. I could set my TiVo, whatever it is that you do nowadays. I was gonna say set my tape player. That's how old I am. <laughs> but here's the deal. Some of us are missing our breakthrough because we're not positioning ourselves in an environment where we can make God bigger than our enemies. And so if we would just do that, 
you'd be surprised by what God will take care of on your behalf. While you worship God, God moves on your behalf. I can testify to this over and over again. There are things where I'm like, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to look at it anymore. God, I'm going to look at you. And as I look at him, I'm thinking, you just made, I don't know what happened, but I'm just going to keep looking up. I'm not even going to try to work it out. I still have that kind of simple faith three decades on, three decades on. And so the scripture goes on and he says, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? That's how ridiculous you get when you look at your enemy. You go, you start blaming your leaders. See, when you look at the wrong thing, you start saying the wrong thing. And so we're seeing a crisis in this nation while everyone's venting on social media and around dinner tables. And there's no respect and there's no submission and there's no honor and we end up yelling and venting and you blame your leaders when you look at the wrong thing when you lose sight of God when you lose sight of the one that really is with you that has called you that has led you then it starts being well that church can you believe what they've done I just cannot believe the lead and off we go we have roast pasta for lunch Some of you will get that at lunchtime, but that's okay. And so we sit around as if Moses did this. Moses was like just one step ahead of the people. Do you think he knew what God was doing? Do you not think like he was in his little tent going, really, you could give me like three steps? Do you think God, he was just one step ahead? Most of us leaders are just like one step ahead. And we stand there boldly, God's gonna come through. Then we're like, oh God, please come through, please come through. Yes, God's gonna come through. That's where a leader lives, just in case you're wondering. Yes, please, yes. That's it. So at the end of the day, your mouth very rarely aligns itself with the Word of God initially. It normally aligns itself with how you feel. It aligns itself with your experience, with your circumstances. But the issue is, and that's, that's made worse in the generation in which we live because Facebook says, like, what's on your mind? I'm like, honey, I don't want to know what's on your mind. You don't want to know what's on my mind. Let me tell you that most days. Twitter will ask me, what do you think? Your friends will give you their opinion. Listen, in the world in which we live, we don't need more opinions. You don't need to know what I think and you don't need to know what's on my mind. You need to know what has God said. What has God said? If God said it, God would do it. If God said it, it will come to pass. If God said it, it will happen. Like Job, we need to put a hand over our mouth. Joshua said to the children of Israel, you shall not utter a word, nor shall a sound come out of your mouth until I tell you to shout, then you will shout. The Christine revised version of that is, shutteth upeth. (laughs) If you cannot say what God says, say nothing. Don't get on the phone. Don't get on Twitter. Don't start talking fear and doubt and negativity. There's enough of that in the atmosphere over this nation right now. We need to change the atmosphere by changing our confession. You frame your world with the words you speak. Say what God says so you can have what God says you can have. Speak the words of God. 
When God wanted it, He said it. Let there be. Until He said it, it never existed. Some of you are producing a harvest of death and decay through your mouth. Doubt dies unborn if it's never spoken. So how about you don't speak it and start speaking words of faith, words of life, words of hope, words of resurrection power, words of liberty. How about we start speaking life? And so they end up complaining to the leadership. And then Moses says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Then the Lord will fight for you. You have only, here's your part, to be silent. So not only Joshua, but Moses also said, shutteth, uppeth. <laughs> for some of you, your biggest breakthrough is gonna come relationally if you just shutteth, uppeth. Your breakthrough is going to come at work if you shut up. If you stop murmuring, grumbling, and complaining, which kept a whole generation in the wilderness for 40 years, and you begin to speak life and hope. And if you can't say what God says, don't say anything until you can. Until you can. We have, we've done this. This is my 2018 thing in my office. And do you wonder why we've seen more rescues at A21 in January than we've seen in the history of A21? Because I'm telling you, we are declaring, I'm not going to say what the traffickers say. I'm not going to say what the negative statistics say. I'm not going to continue to echo what all the fear and doubt and negative reports coming out of nations say. We are going to declare over nations what God says. We're going to decree over nations what God says. We are going to speak what God says. There's power of life. You want scripture and verse? Go to Proverbs. There is the power of life and death in your tongue. And so he goes on and says, the Lord will fight for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. I love that. God's like, I'm sick of your complaining. Get up and go forward. For some of you, we always pray, but let me tell you, for some of us, when prayer becomes an excuse for procrastination, it's then sin. And some of you want to sit down and go, oh, I'm just going to pray another. No, honey, you don't need to pray, just tithe. You don't need to pray, just serve. You don't need to pray, just stop sleeping around. There are some things you do not need to pray about. You just need to obey. He says, get up and advance. Do what my Word says. Be kind, be generous, be gentle. You don't need to pray about it anymore. You just need to advance. You just need to move. Some of you in 2018, you don't need to pray. Do I give? Don't, you don't need to pray. I always think that sometimes. Should I sponsor a child? Like, really? Really? Go and pray for 16 years and then let's decide after that child dies and have 15 cups of coffee every day until then that could have paid for that child. There are some things Christians pray about that I think are ridiculous. Okay, you do not need a scripture and verse. You just need to do it. You just, oh, it's very quiet in this Presbyterian church right now. I'm just going to move right on. My time's nearly over. I forgot, this is Sunday morning. It's not revival. That's what you say at revival. Okay. So then we go on. What church in North America would shout you down for preaching truth? Celebration Church. That's the church that would do that. This church would do that. 
Okay, let me just try to wrap this up. I love you all too. And so the Lord told Moses to lift his hand up. And you've got to understand this here, just what's in his hand. There's no power in the hand. Sometimes we think miracles happen because of the power. We've got no power. God is the one that does the miracle, not us. But if you don't use what's in your hand, then how is that miracle going to be activated? God wants you to see that a small thing can yield big results when you give it to God. So some of the shifts and some of the things that you're going to do this year, they're not going to seem big, just small. Didn't tithe, tithe, and you're going to see a big increase. And you go, how did that happen? I did a little thing, a little act of obedience. Just go after the service and get water baptized. You go, that was a little thing. And then, whoa, what just happened? Some things you can't even explain. God says, I just need you to lift your hand. You do your small act of obedience, I'll do my big miracle. Because God does big miracles, we do the small obedience. That's, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. And then he goes on and the band can come up because I'm in the red zone. Yes. And so the Bible tells us that a strong east wind, God sent an east wind, let me go where that is. Then the angel of the Lord who was going before, in verse 19, the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. I need you to understand this. Sometimes you're gonna go into work tomorrow. Sometimes the cloud, you're gonna go, God, where did you go? You were so tangible. You were so in front of me at the revival. But what you're not realizing is God goes, I've got your back. You can't see me. You keep obeying me in the front, but I've got your back. God move the presence. You've got to understand. You don't want to go anywhere without the presence of God. You don't want to move without the presence. And God's presence goes, I have got your back. Some of you haven't seen God, you felt in, in terms of your physical senses. You're like, God, I feel like you've, he's like, you don't realize I never left you. I never forsook you. I've, I've had your back. I've had your back this whole time. And for some of you, that's your word this morning. You came to church, you wondered, God, where are you? He goes, I've got your back. I've got your back. And then the Bible tells us that the Lord sent a east wind all night. He sent the wind all night to dry the ground and to push the waters back. All night that wind came. You know, I think Moses must have been getting a bit, of exci- a bit excited when the wind came because nothing had changed. There's a wind. The, the army, the, the, Israelite, the Israelite army's thinking we have got, I mean, the Egyptian army's thinking we've got these Israelites. We're gonna take them out. They're thinking they're gonna win. The Israelites are probably thinking they're gonna win as well because they're like, uh, there's an ocean in front, there's a Red Sea in front of me. There's Egyptian army behind me. And God sends a wind. I'm telling you, when you start to feel the wind and we felt it at the revival, when you start to feel it, you, you can start getting a bit excited. Because the Red Sea might not have parted yet, but when God sends a wind, you know He's figuring and He's getting ready to do something pretty major and pretty awesome because there's a, there's a wind coming. I mightn't have got the promotion yet, but I feel the wind coming. I mightn't have my financial breakthrough yet, but I, I feel the wind, it's coming. I might not be healed yet, but I feel the wind, it's coming. I may not have reconciliation in my marriage yet, but I feel the wind. And when the wind comes, I know that the sea's about to part. I know that a And then the Bible says the wind comes and separates it. And this is it. This is the deal here. We're landing. He comes through and the Bible says it was like two big walls. The sea split. 
Can you imagine walking through and, I mean, you're looking at these big walls and you're like going, there's water just like suspended. This is better than anything Hollywood could do. It's like it's suspended. But this is the problem with some of us. God's done the miracle, the sea's split, but we don't like how He's done the miracle because it's freaking us out. And we don't wanna walk through on the dry ground because all we can see is the walls of water. We're going like, God, why didn't You build a bridge across the Red Sea? Why couldn't You build a tunnel under it? And you are so consumed with the fear of what the miracle looks like because you don't understand it and you don't like it, that you have not noticed the dry ground in front of you that God wants you to walk through. The miracle is there. The miracle is there. It doesn't always happen how we want. But He who promised is faithful. And you're gonna see unprecedented Red Seas part in 2018 because our God is still a God of miracles. Our God is still a God of signs and wonders. God still will make a way where there is no way. There is not one need that your God cannot meet. There is not one body that God cannot heal. There is not one soul that God cannot save. There is not one relationship that God cannot restore. There is not one door that God cannot open. There is nothing our God cannot do. There is nothing our God cannot do. There is nothing our God cannot do. What is impossible with man is possible for God. For God, all things are possible and nothing is impossible for God. He's saying, will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you believe me? The sky's the limit. It's according to your earnest expectation. What are you expecting in 2018? He can. Will you? If you need some Red Seas to part in your life, I mean, I'm talking bona fide miracles. There is not a natural way this can happen. But you're believing God. You want to believe God. I want you to raise your hands to heaven. I've got faith to believe that this will be the year. Bonafide Red Sea miracles. Bonafide. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we stand before you. Lord, my arms are raised with everyone else's. Father, let your favour and your grace rest upon us. Father, help us to be strong and very courageous and to do everything you've asked us and called us to do. And Lord, we will believe you to do what only you can do. Father, where supernatural healing is needed, I pray for bona fide, miraculous physical healings in this house in an unprecedented number this year, Lord. I pray for marriages miraculously to be restored and reconciled, Lord, in the Name of Jesus. I pray for miraculous favour and open doors of opportunity and entry into universities and colleges and promotions in jobs and Father, supernatural favour and inventions and God, just entrepreneurial endeavours that would just release multiplied billions of dollars of resources, Father, into the house, I pray in Jesus' Name. Lord, let miracles happen. Father, let it be the thought in this nation that when someone thinks we need a miracle, let's get on a plane and go to Jacksonville, Florida, because that's the place where Red Seas part. That's the place where Jericho walls come down. Father, let it be the sound in the nation, I pray. Father, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' name, friend, I wonder if you know this miracle working God that I'm talking about. The greatest miracle above any miracle is the miracle 
of going from death to life in Jesus Christ. The miracle of finding salvation in Christ. Friend, you were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God. It's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. And if you don't know Him in this house this morning, I want to invite you, friend, to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never ever done that. Maybe a friend invited you to church and you're like, I'm not even sure what I'm doing here. I thought we were going to a nightclub. I'm still hungover from last night. But you know, you sort of thought, oh, another club. You're not here by accident. You're here in the divine timing, the divine plan and the divine purpose of God. Maybe you once walked with God, but if you're honest this morning, you've been away from God, backslidden in your heart. Friend, I wanna invite you today, stop running from Him. Come back to Him, make your peace with Him. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. There are many people in this house that are about to experience the greatest miracle of your life. The miracle of reconciled relationship with your God through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is no greater miracle, no greater miracle. I want you to bow your heads just wherever you're standing all across the room. If you say to me today, Chris, I I want what you're talking about. I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time or I've been away from God, but I want what you're talking about today. I want a fresh start with Jesus. Then friend, I wanna pray with you. Just a very simple but powerful prayer. If you say, Chris, include me in that prayer, right where I'm standing, I want a fresh start with Jesus, just so that I know who I'm praying for. Would you just raise your hand wherever you're standing now and say, Chris, pray for me. There are so many of you. Every single set, straight away. There's just hands everywhere. Keep those hands going up. I'm literally seeing you to the back, back wall in every section of the room. That's it. That's it. Keep those hands going up all around the room. Chris, pray for me. Keep those hands up high. I'm going to pray for you. We're all going to pray together, the whole church, in agreement with you. Your hands are raised to God. Those of you with your hands raised, this is your sign to Jesus. I'm serious about this prayer of surrendering my heart to you. And the rest of us are going to pray it in agreement with you after me. So church, let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognize my need for you. I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins, that you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.